Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. Ephesians chapter 1 is where we're going to be, and we're going to kind of look at the book of Ephesians for a while and and take note of this a little bit uh, to help us in our understanding. Ephesians is uh, one of those wonderful books of the Bible that has been given to us that provides for us such a wealth of understanding and knowledge of God and, and understanding of who we are as as Christians and how we should live. It's been described, I've heard, of uh, like a spiritual bank account. Uh, now, one of the things that I, I uh, uh, have had in my life is, is I was taught at a young age the importance of money uh, by my parents telling me something that a lot of children don't hear a lot of times. And that's a difficult word called no. Um, when I would ask for something, my parents would say no. When I would say I wanted to do something, my parents would say no. It seems like a lot of kids just don't know that word uh, very much. It's not because my parents didn't love me. It's not because my parents didn't want the best for me. It's just that they understood that if if they said yes to everything that I wanted, everything that I uh, had said that I... I uh, like to do or have or whatever that I wouldn't understand and uh, the significance of how difficult having those things can be and I wouldn't appreciate them. So my parents taught me very soon after they taught, uh, they shared with me that difficult word of no was the other uh, teaching that they said, now if you want it, you can work hard at a job and you can earn the money to provide for it yourself. They said it's not because we don't want you to have those things. It's just that you need to understand that they don't come easy. They don't come cheap. And uh, you w- they wanted me to appreciate those things. So I started off at a, a young age doing jobs. And I found that, that if I worked and, and did some things, I'd earn some money and I could use that money however I wanted to use it. I didn't have to ask mom and dad if I could spend it in a particular way. Uh, uh, of course, they guided me in, in understanding uh, uh, the, uh, the expense of money and things like that anyway uh, so that I wouldn't make foolish choices. But they let me make a few little small insignificant foolish choices to help me to understand that uh, I had to be careful. One of them was I wanted with everything in me to have this little uh, airplane that I found in a cheap, inexpensive store. And it was made out of that balsa wood that was so uh, thin and so easy. Uh, You could just... Uh, break it apart with your fingers and and you uh, it, it was a little kit that was designed for you to put the plane together and then you uh, put a hook in it and you put the propeller on it and you spun up that propeller with a rubber band isn't it amazing how simple things ha- uh, were that could could occupy our time and and could 
it didn't have to be electronic, didn't have to have bells and whistles, didn't have to have lights on it. All it was was a rubber band and you wind that propeller up and then you just go like that and let it go and it would go and fly if you learned how to do it right. Well, uh, I learned that <clears throat> that the value of money with the fact that I earned the money to pay for that myself. My parents wouldn't pay for it. And so I, the first time I got it, I wound that sucker up and I went like this and I was going to get it to fly a long way. And I flung that thing and it went and fell all apart and broke. And I learned real quick that next time I was going to be more careful with my money uh, and, and be uh, uh, wise with it. And I learned that it's easy to put uh, to spend money out of your bank account and not so easy putting money in. Well, the book of Ephesians is like a, a bank account that you keep spending out of the bank account and it keeps having more and more and more in there. Uh, you learn uh, out of the book of Ephesians all so much wealth of understanding of God and the richness of His blessings in your life. And you go back to it and it's still full. Isn't that wonderful? My bank account doesn't do that. I can spend and spend and spend. And let me tell you, it goes down real quick. Uh, but this, you, uh, you take out of the, uh, the wealth of God's understanding in the book of Ephesians and it keeps filling up. Now, there are some people that are misers with their money. They, I, I read a story about a, a, a family that, uh, that was found in Los Angeles. They had, uh, both the husband and wife had passed away in, the fifth, in their 50s. Now, when I was a little kid, 50s sounded like it was old. But when I got there myself, I realized it wasn't all that old. Uh, and I think it happens to other people too. But uh, they were found in their 50s to have passed away and they started investigating the, uh, the scene where they found both of them passed away and found out that they had passed away from malnutrition not eating enough, not having enough to eat. But they began to look around in their house and they realized that there were all these little tiny bags and they had money in them. And they found all these bags and there was $100,000 in their house. And that's uh, that was so puzzling. They Here they, they died of malnutrition, but they had all this money because they were not willing to take out of that money and spend it to get food. It's like the, another uh, lady that was uh, that I read about. She was uh, lived in 1916, and when she died, she uh, they found out that she had saved up all of her money and never spent any money. She said uh, she would eat oatmeal cold because she said it cost too much to heat up the water, to boil the water, to, to put it in the, the oatmeal. And her son uh, had uh, an injury to his leg and, and she was trying to find a free clinic to, to take him to, to go get his leg treated and she didn't take him in time and he wound up uh, getting infected and having to have it amputated. Uh, and yet when she passed away, uh, they found out that, she, and this is 1916, she had $100 million. Now that's a lot of money at any time, but in 1916 that was a, a, lot, a lot more than it is today. 
Some people are miserly with the things that they have, and Christians can be miserly with the wealth of God's knowledge and wisdom that God has given us. Some Christians will allow themselves to suffer and languish in the things of this world because they're too unwilling to learn of the great wealth and riches that God has for them. And I hope that's not us today. I hope that we can discover the great wealth of God's riches in uh, the book of Ephesians as we study this and we'll be able to be willingly take take out the richness of God uh, and apply it to our life throughout our life. Look at the first couple of uh, verses with me. In Ephesians chapter 1 it says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you, uh, grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. I want to, uh, this is not very many verses, but I want to point out a few things to you uh, as we begin our, our understanding of the book of Ephesians. And I want you to see that this is a book about grace. This is a book about the grace of God and God's grace towards us. Now, if we have to remember what is grace, it's unmerited favor. Uh, God gives us unmerited uh, unwarranted favor in spite of our sinfulness, in spite of the things that we have done, God demonstrates to us His grace, His love, in that He gives us forgiveness, gives us His mercy, gives us uh, His grace. And it's not, it's not because of anything we've done. It's not because of who we are. It's not because of being born into the right family or being born into a certain particular uh, uh, national group or, or, or race or anything like that. It's just simply because of God's love. It's simply because of God's grace. And I want you to see something here. He says, Paul, uh, this is uh, who it's written by. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God. Now, Paul is saying, listen, I'm, the only reason I'm apostle of Jesus Christ is because God selected me. God plucked me out of time and out of the sequence of what uh, my life was and allowed me to be an apostle because he lived after the life of Jesus Christ. He lived uh, following the life of Jesus and, and he wasn't uh, a part of the original uh, 12 disciples. He wasn't uh, able to follow Jesus and be an apostle of Jesus uh, in the normal course of things, but rather he's talking about the fact that as uh, that God, uh, uh, or that Jesus Christ manifests himself in his life uh, in a time in which he was after Jesus had, had died on the cross and been in the grave and had risen and gone on to heaven. Uh, Paul was visited by Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus and he was uh, uh, taught to and instructed by Jesus on how he should live and how he should change his life. And so Paul says, I am, I am only an apostle by the will of God. Uh, it wasn't because I was in the right place at the right time. It's not because I was doing something in the right way. And you might say this doesn't seem all that significant. Paul is simply saying that he is 
He's uh, thrilled to be an apostle of God even though he didn't live during the time. But it points to a different fact that Paul will get to in terms of, of God's uh, deliverance of grace in our lives too. <coughs> Paul says, listen, he said, there's nothing in my life that I have done or that I have uh, been able to do. Now, Paul describes who he is. He gives his pedigree in other places. He says, I was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He said, I studied under some of the greatest minds of my time. He said, I, I uh, was uh, very zealous for God and gave myself over to being zealous for God. He suffered many things. And remember, the, as he listed those, he said, I was... Uh, stoned and left for dead. I was uh, uh, chased out of cities. He was shipwrecked and left for dead on a on an island. Uh, th- he said there were times in which my life should have end and yet ended, and yet God's grace uh, allowed me to continue on. Paul says, I've suffered through a lot of things. He was jailed. He was uh, falsely imprisoned. He was uh, accused of things, and, and uh, people tried to to kill him uh, time and time and again. Paul has been through a lot. He's been through a lot of things, but Paul is saying that I am only an apostle by the will of God, by God's plucking me out of my circumstance and allowing me to be an apostle. And that's, that describes perfectly the relationship that we have with God as Christians. There's nothing that you and I have done. There's nothing that we have said. There's nothing that we have thought up. No dream that we've had. No uh, uh, personal way of accomplishing anything that would cause us to be a, a child of God. To have God's love demonstrated towards us. To have God's love poured out upon us. There's nothing thing in our life that that warrants the fact that we have uh, uh, that love of God aside from the fact that God gave us his grace. And so Paul says uh, he's he's building up to this understanding of grace. He says, I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ only by the will of God. And this letter is written to the saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Jesus Christ. Now there's some who believe that originally this didn't have the uh, the the destination of Ephesus uh, placed in there with it in the original text, but that it was simply to all those who are faithful followers of Christ. So this book is written to those who are believers in Jesus Christ. This book is, is, is a gift of God. It's, it's addressed to us that believe in, in Jesus Christ who are fa- faithful followers. And this is, uh, this is a way of, of helping us to understand how we should live, how we should uh, uh, get about our life. And the first half of the book is an instruction book on how we should live. And then 
uh, and the riches and the wealth of God's grace. And then the last half of the book is how we should spend that grace, how we should use that grace in our life, how we should put that grace to work in us. So it's an instruction book on how we should live by grace and then then a how-to book on how to apply it to our lives. Perfect for today because really uh, we can't have anything in our life where we're just told uh, about something we have to be told how to do it. And this is a great uh, way in which Ephesians is set up in that we're told uh, what that grace is, how we uh, can apply it to our lives, and then lastly, how we can use it. He says, this is a book to all Christians. He says, and grace and uh, be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to see uh, uh, something about this. He says, uh, this book is about grace. In fact, grace will be mentioned 12 times throughout this book. It's that important. It is, uh, it is a book about God's grace. And so we want uh, to, to understand that this is the perspective that God is, is addressing us through his, uh, his author Paul here and sharing with us about our lives and about what it means to be a Christian, about uh, what, what it means uh, to live a life as un, according to what God wants us to live. He says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Peace always comes after God's grace is applied. There's nothing in, that, in our life that would allow us to have peace with God before we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Aside from the fact that God's grace is given to us. Uh, there's no way that we could have peace with God. Why? Because we're born into sin. We're born into a life that is tainted by the original sin of Adam and our own sinfulness in our life. And, and because of that, we're at odds with God. Uh, we're butting up our heads with God. I, every time I, I think about this, I think about uh, uh, those longhorn rams that you see on the side of mountains like in, in uh, Switzerland or somewhere. you got these rams that they, uh, uh, they've got these big long horns and the males uh, that have those long horns, uh, they uh, uh, ex- desire to express dominance. And so when they see another ram, uh, what do they do? They lower their heads and they ram each other into the head in order to uh, to express dominance and to try and find the alpha in the pack and all of that kind of thing and the herd of sheep uh, or uh, and. Every time I think of, of the odds that we are with God, I think about the fact that, that we're like those rams. We uh, lower our head and we butt our heads into uh, uh, God and say, we, I want to have dominance in my life. I want to have the authority in my life. I want to be in charge of my life and I want to do what I want to do rather than allowing God to have authority and dominance in our life. God, He simply wants to to show us how to live our life and to have a pleasant life and to to lead us into righteousness and lead us into the right pathway. But our sinfulness causes us to lower our head and without even understanding why, we butt our heads into God. It's like a commercial I saw of... uh, 
some kind of Jeep or a truck or whatever, and it's this really high-polished sheen on the side of the truck, and a ram's seen butting into the side of the truck because why? He's seen his reflection in the... We don't understand why he does it. He just does it. And it's that way with God. We don't understand why we have to butt our heads against God and try and express dominance and try and, and overpower uh, the will of God in our life. But we do it because we just don't understand why we're doing it. But we do it anyway. And so that's at being odds with God. But once God's grace is applied to us, once God's grace is given to us, God, the peace with God overwhelms us because that grace of His love, that grace of His forgiveness, that grace uh, uh, that leads us into righteousness, all of that brings us to a place of peace so that instead of butting our heads against God, we come and, and embrace God and, and He embraces us and He embraces us in His love. And so when we have God's grace applied to our life, peace with God comes soon after. And so we need to understand that this book is, is as much about peace and living in peace with God as it is about grace because with grace comes peace. He says grace and peace and that grace and peace is from God our Father. God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Let that sink in for a minute. This isn't grace and peace simply because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. And that's, that's significant. Believe me, that is uh, hugely significant in, the, in our lives. But this is from God the Father. God the Father is expressing His grace to you. Grace through what Jesus did on the cross. But grace from God the Father, the one in whom we have become, uh, become at odds with, the one in which we have butted our heads up against time and time again to have our desire, the one who could consign us to an eternity of hell because of, of our actions and because of our unwillingness to follow in His will. God the Father demonstrates His grace to us and provides for us His grace. And so God the Father gives us His grace and, and it is through the Lord Jesus Christ, through what He did on the cross, through His atonement on the cross of Calvary, through His substitutionary atonement, through taking our place and, and being that... that uh, repository of our sins on the cross of dealing he took not only our place but he took the punishment of our sin he allowed himself in his purity to go to the cross and to know our sin who knew no sin allowed himself to have the our sins poured out upon him so that we might have God's grace, His love, His mercy flow down upon us. And Paul says, Blessings be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. 
this book is about God's blessing of His grace coming upon us. And while this looks and appears as if if Paul is just simply going through the motions of of sharing a a generic (coughs) salutation at the beginning of his book, he is speaking volumes into what is about to come. This book of grace, this book of God's blessings upon us, this book of of God's uh, expressing His desire for us to have peace with Him and to to allow us to come into a, a right relationship with God. Blessings are coming from God the Father and Christ Jesus who's giving us these blessings and spiritual blessings to fill your life. I've had times where I've heard preachers say that that salvation is like uh, God coming to us that are shackled by our sin. And sin is is visualized by this uh, this uh, this big iron shackle that's around our leg that's attached to a, a heavy chain and and our sins at the end of that chain and it's keeping us from living our life keeping us in in prison in that sin and God's coming and he's uh, got the key and he's liberating us from our sin that's too simple of a of a uh, of a image of of what salvation is because what Paul is sharing with us is is that God is doing more than just simply taking that key and opening the lock of uh that's holding us to sin but that God is is delivering us from our sin and then taking us home to be with Him and making us part of the family. That's what what truly God has done for us. That God has has done more than just simply uh, uh, taking the punishment of our sin away and taking the threat of hell and and the eternal punishment that comes with with, uh, not having our sins covered to going beyond that, of of allowing us to have more than just simply uh, freedom from our sin, but allowing us to be a part of His family, of of coming in. And Jesus Christ uh, uh, substituted Himself on the cross of where we should have been to pay for our sins. And then He turns around and God allows us to come and sit in the place in which Jesus Christ would sit in the family. He says we've become joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We've become a part of the family of God and we're now received, we're, we're adopted into the family of God. We're not just simply set free but we, and we're not just brought into the big house and brought into the house to become a part of the family. But... He's placed us in the place in which Jesus occupied. It's as if we are, are 
as valuable to God and, and as loved by, uh, by God as Jesus Christ is loved. We're a part of the family. We're joint heirs with Jesus Christ. And that's what grace is. That is what the grace of God is, accomplishes in our life. That's what the grace of God is for us in our life, to bring us these blessings. And so we're going to learn about these blessings of His grace. We're going to learn and understand about the grace of God, how it is applied to our life, how we can live out that grace in our life, and that we can understand and know the grace of God our Father the Father of Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ, and who is blessing us beyond our understanding, blessing us beyond our reality. We barely understand and know what riches are. We get a glimpse of it from time to time. I remember that old uh, TV show uh, called Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous and you got to go in and see all these rich people's homes and their cars and all the things that they had and everything and that's nothing compared to the riches of God's blessings. We think we understand what being rich is all about by seeing what other people do and, and unfortunately all that is is the materialistic thing. But what God is uh, willing and is giving to us through His grace are the blessings of God that go beyond any of the riches that we can think of in our mind, beyond the riches and the wealth that the world thinks is so uh, wonderful to have, that we can see the blessings and the riches of God in a way that, that all of that is minuscule in comparison. God's desire is, is that He would grant us that. And the thing that we have to understand is, is that we have to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. The first thing you need to do is if you don't have Jesus Christ in your heart and life, you need Him today. You can't experience any of the great riches of God's blessings without a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And guess what? You don't have to pay a premium. You don't have to pay an entry fee. You don't have to pay a membership fee. You don't have to pay any kind of price. You don't have to uh, go crawling up the mountainside on your knees over a bed of glass in order to get it. God gives it to us free. There's nothing we can do that can afford His gift of salvation, His gift of grace. It's given to us in spite of the fact that we don't deserve it. And we need to, uh, first of all, be children of God. This says that it is to the saints. Grace and His blessings are only afforded to us when we have Jesus Christ into our life. And so that's my prayer and my hope that if you're without Christ today, if you aren't in a right relationship with Him, maybe... Uh, uh, that you'll accept Jesus Christ today. Maybe if you uh, are a Christian here today and you just haven't been living uh, the right kind of life and you've been kind of living your own life and you've been in sin, uh, you need to also be in a, in a right relationship, a right standing with God. You can't be butting your heads again against God 
even though you're a child of God, you need to allow His grace, His love, His mercy to flow through you. And you need to to be His child, walking in His ways, living as He would have you to live in order to experience this. It's my hope and prayer that you'll... uh, If you have Christ in your life and you haven't been living as you should, that you'll get your life right today so that as we study this, as we go through this and understand the abundance of the great wealth and riches that God has for us, the great blessings that He has for us, that you'll be able to have it in your life because you're right with Him and you're following in His pathway. Let's pray. Dear Gracious Father, Lord, I praise You and thank You for Your great love. I praise You for the goodness that You've extended towards us. Lord, I pray that that You'd help us to, to walk in Your way, to allow You to lead us into the pathways of righteousness. Help us, Lord, to experience Your grace and Your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.